and welcome to the Corny and Lind Legal Chatter Podcast, where we discuss different but likely scenarios, provide general legal information, and get to know our lawyers. Please note that this podcast series does not provide or intends to provide legal advice. Welcome to another Corny and Lind podcast. My name is Barry Klopper. I'm a senior lawyer working at Corny and Lind in the litigation department. Today I'm going to be taking you through or giving a brief overview of the residential tenancies and rooming accommodation COVID-19 emergency response regulation 2020. Uh, This is a very new regulation that was made by the Queensland government on the 24th of April 2020 and it's made under the COVID-19 Emergency Response Act 2020. Basically what that act did is give the Queensland government a number of powers to create regulations to modify certain acts in relation to the COVID-19 emergency and um, the regulations change how the acts operate in this new era that we find ourselves in. Basically, the provisions of this regulation that we're talking about today affect the Residential Tenancies and Rooming Accommodation Act of 2008. Now, before we begin, I must stress that the advice that I'm giving you today is of a general nature only, and um, it may not necessarily apply to your specific circumstances. So if you are a tenant or a landlord that is experiencing difficulties in this era with COVID-19, and you think that the regulations might apply to you, feel free to give us a call and contact one of us and hopefully we'll be able to help you apply these new regulations to your circumstance and work through the situation with you for a a great outcome. So once again, this is general advice only and um, hopefully you'll find it useful for your situation. We'll start by talking about the dates of when the regulation will apply. The regulation will apply to all residential tenancy agreements and rooming accommodation agreements entered into before 29 March 2020. The regulations are set to expire on the 31st of December 2020. So basically, the regulations commenced on the 29th of March and are in place for the remainder of this year. Although, depending on how the pandemic eventuates, this date could be extended. Where there's an inconsistency with the provisions of the regulation and the Residential Tenancies and Rooming Accommodation Act, the regulation will override the act. So the provisions of the regulation will always override the act. Today we are going to focus on the provisions which apply to residential tenancies. However, most of these are mirrored in the application to rooming accommodation agreements as well. First up, I'd like to talk about the key criteria that you need to meet for the regulations to apply to you. One of the key concepts the regulation refers to is a tenant or resident suffering from excessive hardship due to COVID-19. Excessive hardship means you need to meet both criteria of a two-criteria test. The first criteria you need to meet is one of the following. 
A, you have to be a person suffering from COVID-19 or you have to be caring for a person who is suffering from COVID-19. B, you can be a person who is subject to a quarantine direction or C, your place of employment has been closed or the business you work for is restricted because of a public health direction. This will include circumstances, for example, where a person has lost their job or is suffering a reduction in their income because the business they work for has experienced a loss of trade due to COVID-19. And this is probably the arm most residential tenants will fall under or people under the Rooming Accommodations Act will fall under. D, you can also be a person who's self-isolating because you are a vulnerable person or you live with a vulnerable person or you're the primary carer of a vulnerable person. Now, vulnerable person is defined in a the schedule to the regulation to include any one of the following people. It's a person over the age of 75 or a person over the age of 65 with an existing health condition an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander over the age of 50 with an existing health condition or a person whose immune system is compromised. This, for example, might be someone who's going through chemotherapy and um, their immune system would definitely be compromised. The fifth limb that you could fall under would be a restriction on travel preventing you from working or returning home. So that's the first criteria of the test. You need to fall within one of those five circumstances. The second criteria is providing you've met one of those five, you then need to have one of the following. You have to, you have to either have a reduction in your income of 25% or more and be able to prove that. This might be proved, for example, by a separation certificate from your employer if you've lost your job or confirmation from Centrelink that you've had a reduction in your income, or if you haven't had a reduction in your income by 25%, the rent that you pay must be more than 30% of your income. So to recap, you need to have met one of the first of the five criteria I mentioned earlier, and you need to have either had a 25% reduction in your income or the rent payable is more than 30% of your income. It's important to note that if you've met the test where you can prove that you've suffered excessive hardship due to COVID-19 and your circumstances subsequently change, for example, you get your job back, uh, your income increases again, or you don't meet one of those five classes of persons that I spoke about earlier, then you need to notify your lessor as soon as possible that your circumstances have changed. If you don't do that and your circumstances do change and you no longer meet the definition of suffering excessive hardship from COVID-19, you can be subject to a penalty under the regulations. Now, the penalty is 20 penalty units. And in Queensland, the value of a penalty unit is $133.45. So the penalty there would be $2,669. So it's important that if your circumstances do change, you notify your lesser straight away. Okay, so let's assume that you've met the criteria and you are suffering hardship due to COVID-19 under the regulation. The first thing is a moratorium on evictions will apply to you. So basically what that means 
is that from 29 March 2020 to 29 September 2020, providing you meet the criteria, you cannot be evicted as a tenant for failing to pay rent if, and this is important, that failure to pay rent relates to the excessive hardship because of COVID-19. If you have been unfairly evicted because you failed to pay rent as a result of suffering from a hardship due to COVID-19, the landlord or your lessor can be subject to a penalty as well of approximately $6,672 for evicting you. Note, you can still be evicted for failing to pay rent if you are not experiencing hardship due to COVID-19. So the regulations won't save you if you're failing to pay rent and not suffering hardship. The moratorium also won't apply where you were provided with a notice to leave before 29 March 2020. Next thing to talk about is the extension of residential tenancy agreements. If your current residential tenancy is due to end between 29 March and 29 September of this year, and you were not provided with a notice to leave prior to 29 March, and you meet the two criteria test earlier that we spoke about regarding hardship suffered as a result of COVID-19, then your tenancy must be extended until at least the 30th of September, 2020. Next, I'd like to talk about unpaid rent. So ordinarily, if a tenant doesn't pay rent, they would be issued with a notice to remedy breach for unpaid rent. However, under the regulations, if the rent remains unpaid for seven days and the lessor or landlord knows or ought reasonably have known that the tenant is suffering excessive hardship because of COVID-19, then the landlord is required to issue a show cause notice rather than a notice to remedy a breach. The new show cause forms can be downloaded from the RTA's website. When a tenant receives a show cause notice, they have 14 days to pay the rent or alternatively inform the lessor or landlord that the rent is unpaid because the tenant is suffering excessive hardship due to COVID-19. If the tenant doesn't respond to the show cause notice, the landlord can issue them with a notice to remedy the breach for unpaid rent. If the tenant has responded to the show cause notice, once the landlord receives that response from the tenant to the show cause notice, the landlord can request that a tenant entered into an agreement to vary the terms of the lease. These are referred to as variation agreements and once again, an example of them can be found on the RTA's website. So let's have a quick chat about variation agreements. The main reason for their existence is a rent reduction to be applied for a stated period or a payment plan to be put in place for unpaid rent. So those are the two reasons you'd enter into a variation agreement and most of the time it's going to be for a reduction in rental. Variation agreements can be downloaded from the RTA's website. They are currently a Form 18D. Next, I'd like to talk about restrictions on entry. Now, the criteria that we've spoken to about experiencing hardship due to COVID-19 doesn't really apply to restrictions on entry. Basically, 
Restrictions on entry need to meet a two-stage test. You can't enter the premises to do a general inspection, routine repairs or maintenance, show the premises to a prospective buyer, if you believe the premises or have, have been abandoned, or to inspect a premises for remedy of a breach if the person in the premises is in quarantine, the lesser or the agent of the lesser is subject to quarantine, the entry is contrary to public health, a public health direction, or the tenant or person living in the premises is a vulnerable person. If any of these criteria are met, you can't enter the premises. You can still enter premises for emergencies or with the agreement of the tenant or to protect the property from damage. It's important to note that the regulations do allow you to inspect the premises or to show the premises to a prospective buyer via video link videos or photos that are provided by the tenant in the premises. So that's an interesting one. I can see all these tenants running around with zooms on their phone showing their agents or the lessors that they are keeping up to date with their requirements under their leases that the property is well maintained um, or if the agent wants to show someone the property then I guess it's they can work with the tenant in that case and get the tenant to show the property through their mobile phone. I'm yet to talk to any agents that are doing this, but there are provisions in the regulations for you to do that. Next, I'd like to talk about the provisions regarding domestic violence. Sadly, COVID-19 has resulted in a rise in domestic violence incidents in Australia. It's a sad fact of life that this is happening in Australia, but the regulations take note of this and actually provide some really useful provisions for dealing with domestic violence. If a tenant believes that they can no longer safely continue to occupy the premises, they should give a lessor a domestic and family violence notice, ending that tenancy as soon as possible. These notices are available on the RTA's website for you to download. It's important to note that evidence must be provided with this form and made available to the lessor or the lessor's agent to inspect. Supporting evidence to a domestic violence uh, notice would include things like a protection order, a temporary protection order, an injunction for personal protection under the Family Law Act, a domestic and family violence report can also a form sorry can also be downloaded from the RTA website and filled out by your doctor, social worker, domestic violence support worker or case manager, refuge or crisis worker, an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander medical service, or if you're really desperate, you can visit a lawyer and we can fill it out for you as well. It's important to note that the tenancy will continue for tenants that remain in the property even though one of the tenants who was subject to domestic violence has left. The remaining tenants agreement will still continue with their landlord and they will need to top up their rental bond to cover the amount that's been refunded to the tenant vacating because of domestic violence. 
if the tenant experiencing domestic violence is the sole tenant of that tenancy, then it, the tenancy will end on the later of seven days after the notice is given or the date that the tenant vacates the property and hands over vacant possession to the lessor or their agent. Interestingly, a tenant suffering from domestic violence can change the locks to the premises providing they believe it is necessary to protect themselves and it is done by a qualified locksmith. This is a really useful provision for tenants suffering from domestic violence because it gives them the ability to secure the premises and themselves without having to vacate the premises and find new premises in what's probably going to be a challenging time A to inspect new premises and B to actually find premises for rent. It's important to note that if you do change the locks, a key must be given to the lessor or the agent and the agent or lessor is not allowed to give that key to someone else without the tenant's permission. So that's a really another good way in which tenants suffering from domestic violence can be protected. Just a side note there to agents or lessors, if you do give the key to someone else without the tenant's permission, you will be liable to a penalty under the regulations as well. Next, I'd like to have a quick chat about notices to leave the premises. Under the regulations, there are two available options for a landlord to give a tenant notice to leave the premises. These are the same as under the Act, but the notice periods have been changed by the regulations. The notices that I'm talking about are basically the notice to leave if a owner needs to occupy the premises or if the premises are being sold and they need to be sold with vacant possession. Under the regulations, if you give a notice to the tenant to vacate for any of the aforementioned reasons, that notice must give the tenant at least two months to vacate the premises after the notice is given. So basically, tenants have a bit more time to find a new premises if the owner needs to occupy the premises which they're renting or if they need to be sold by the owner. An important change in the regulations is the restriction on blacklisting tenants. There's a lot of concern from people who have suffered hardship from coronavirus and have been unable to pay their rents that they still might be listed or blacklisted uh, on a tenancy database for failing to pay their rent. The regulations do address this. And specifically, tenants can't be blacklisted on any tenancy database for a failure to pay rent during the COVID emergency response period. There's no definition in the regulations of what the COVID emergency response period is. The regulations refer you back to the COVID Response Emergency Act. And if you have a look at the Act, it's basically the period during which a public health emergency is declared because of COVID-19. Now, at the moment in Queensland, we are under a public health emergency that has been declared due to COVID-19. And there is no real definitive end to this declaration. So it's important for lessors and their agents to be aware 
that they can't list tenants on the database uh, if they fail to pay rent during this period. Um, remembering that the failure to pay rent must be due to that tenant suffering excessive hardship because of COVID-19. Now, there is a penalty if you do this. However, if you are unaware that the tenant was suffering excessive hardship because of COVID-19 and you inadvertently include them on a database, you are still okay under the regulations. However, I would strongly recommend that no tenants be blacklisted for a failure to pay rent until you've made some inquiries as to whether that failure is due to them suffering hardship because of coronavirus. So as I said, in a nutshell, that's the residential tenancies and rooming accommodation regulations. We've discussed residential tenancies specifically today, but they are mirrored uh, in accommodation agreements as well, the, re- the provisions we've spoken about. Once again, this is really general advice in relation to the regulations, and I would recommend that you seek specific advice to see how the regulations would apply to your specific circumstances. Uh, at Corny and Lind, we are always here to help residential tenants and landlords for that matter. And in this period where things are a little bit challenging and people are struggling to pay rents, it's a really good idea to keep your communication lines open. Uh, agents need to play a big role in making sure that tenants are okay, picking up the phone, checking on your tenants list to make sure that everything is okay, particularly where you see that tenants are falling behind in their rental. It's important to ask the questions as to why. And at the same time, from a tenant's point of view, it's important to be open with the with your agent or with your lessor if you're in contact with them to explain why you're struggling to pay rent and be able to back it up and to provide some evidence that you are one of those five classes of people. For example, you have suffered a loss of income due to your work hours being cut back or you losing your job and you're able to prove that. And if that's the case, then I would strongly recommend that you enter into one of those variation agreements. They're really easy to do. Download the form and enter enter into one of those variation agreements where you agree to a rental reduction for a specific period until that tenant can get back on their feet, start earning an income and paying their rental again. So thank you for listening today. I hope you found it informative and we are here for you. So please pick up the phone if you need any advice and give us a call and we'd be more than happy to help. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Corny and Lind Legal Chatter Podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode of Corny and Lind Legal Chatter. If you require specific legal advice for your situation, contact us directly on 07-3252-0011 or go to www.cornyandlind.com.au forward slash contact.